I just started this series a couple of weeks ago and the thought just came to me and a lot of times that's just how it works. It's just God gives you a thought and then you build off of that thought. But the thought came to me, what are you doing beyond yourself? And those words beyond us just kind of resonated in my spirit because we all have a tendency when left alone to just think about self. We gravitate towards ourself. Uh, it's just our nature. And, uh, you know, that's why being born again is part of changing our nature, who we are. And so it, the whole thought is just about, especially as we're entering into this holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of those things, that we just kind of shift gears maybe a little bit or shift our focus a little bit and think beyond ourselves, think beyond our needs, our desires, our wants, and just allow God to use us to reach out to somebody else and make a difference in someone else's life. And this is what I know about God. When God, when you do something for somebody else, God will do something for you. That's how it works. And so, because that's just the law of God. It's the law of sowing and reaping. That's an established law uh, on earth, but it's also established law in the spirit as well. <clears throat> whatever you sow, whatever you sow into is gonna come back, right? And so if we can look beyond ourselves, well, uh, Luke 6:38 puts it this, says it this way, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Whatever measure you measure out, that's, what, that's what's going to be measured back to you. Um, and I'm not just talking about money. Whatever you are released to give, that's what's coming back. So I think of it this way. If there's a, like an absence of joy in my life, um, maybe I'm not exuding and maybe I'm not extending joy to somebody else because if it's coming back to me, you know, then I have to give it. So if there's an absence of joy, I just start trying to be joyful <laughs> wherever I'm at and whomever I'm with. I, I'm not perfect. I hate to, y'all thought, never. Just ask Jamie, she'll tell you. But anyhow, so what, you know, whatever's maybe absent in your life, start giving it away. And I guarantee you, it will start returning into your life. I don't have any friends. Well, become friendly. <laughs> Hello. Become friendly. Right? And you just, that, that might help a little bit. But anyway, that's where that came from. So, Father, we just ask that you would bless the remainder of our time together. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Last week, we established that money does not make a person rich. Okay? Um, we talked about it. Um, I don't know. It was in the first service. I didn't really get to it in the second service. But we talked about if you... If your household earns between forty-three and forty-five thousand dollars a year, talking about your household, then you are considered in the one percent of the wealthiest people on the planet. Maybe you don't look at it that way, but you're considered in the top one percent of the wealthiest people on this planet. Planet, and so, and it's all relative because you ask the person who makes 
$30,000 a year. What would they consider being rich? They said 75,000. You ask the group that's making 75,000, they said 150,000. The group that said 150,000 said, no, no, we're just still paying off our student loans and all that other stuff. And so it's all relative, right? It's all relative. So uh, what good would, would money be if you don't have the blessing of health in your life? So there's a difference from, um, from, from being, thinking about this term of being blessed, okay? It's not just money. It's about the blessing of the Lord, your health, your friends, your family, all of those things that God has blessed you with. So when God said, I'm going to bless Abraham, God said, I'm going to bless you. And he said, I'm going to make your name great. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he said that everyone who blesses you will be blessed and everyone who curses you will be cursed. But part of the blessing that God gave to Abraham was great wealth. Genesis 3 or 13 and 2 says this, that Abraham was very rich. Everyone say very rich. He was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. So wealth, it's not the only thing, but wealth was part of the blessing that was given to Abraham. And I showed you last week, Galatians 3.14 says that God has blessed us Gentiles with the same blessing that he blessed Abraham with. Sometimes the difference between having something and not having something is faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted or accredited to him. That's a banking term. In other words, because Abraham believed that God was going to make him great and that God was going to bless him, he didn't know how, he didn't know where, he didn't know when, but he said, I believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do then that was credit enough for God to begin to bless Abraham and bring those things in his life. So you have to start somewhere. Say, I have to start somewhere. The place that you can start if you're at ground level zero is uh, the place that you can start is by faith. Just taking God at his word. Say, I believe. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I believe. So then when God starts blessing you, and he will, and he has, but when God starts blessing you, uh, the blessing of the Lord, with that comes responsibility. So um, you see this in your life. You see this uh, in the natural. You see things like when you're asking, you know, when you apply for that promotion or you're, you're looking to be promoted where you are and you get that promotion. Well, what comes with that promotion? Generally, more responsibility. Maybe you're over more people now, or maybe you weren't over people, and then now you move into a position where you're over people. Now you have, you're, you have to uh, account for those things, and then you have someone over you that you have to report to. So what I'm trying to get you to say, see is this, that when you begin to move with more things, there's more responsibility. There's more accountability. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. Listen to Luke 12, 48. Listen to what it says. It says, when someone has been given much, much will be required 
in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. This is a kingdom principle. I don't care. Whenever God gives you more, whatever that more might be, whether it's more money, whether it's more time, whether it's more possession, whether it's more people, whatever it is, whatever God blesses you with, attached to that blessing is responsibility. Everyone say responsibility. You're now responsible for something. You're now accountable for something. And the more you have, the more responsibility that comes your way. So as the church grows numerically, and it has, and we're going to share some of those numbers with you next week, that means more people, more possibilities, but how many of you know it also means more problems? Don't act like you got it all together. Come on. Right? We all have problems. Hello. We're saved, but we're not problems. Look at your neighbor and tell them you have issues. <laughs> You have issues. The bigger the church, the bigger the budget, right? It just goes that way. And what we're finding out, we've been renting for the last five years. Now we're owning something. We own this building. How many of you know we're responsible to fix whatever breaks? You know, I tried to call the landlord that we had and ask him to come over. He said he's not going to do it. When we were renting this place over here, they said, we're not coming to help you. I'm like, well, you did for the last five years. I'm just trying to be facetious to try to move us along, but it's not working, so I'll stick to preaching. <laughs> so when you ask God to bless you, and he will, then God requires more from you. So every time uh, increase enters your life, every time God entrusts you with more, he will require more from you. It really is the parable of the talents, is it not? It's the parable of the talents. It's found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25. Uh, verses 14 through 30. I'm not going to read all of the scripture here, but we'll just kind of track through it. But the Bible lets us know that um, there was a man who was traveling through a far country and he had servants and he came to his servants and he said, listen, I'm going to leave for a while. And uh, what I want you to do is I want you to occupy, do business until I return. And the Bible says he gave one man five talents. He gave another man two talents and he gave another man one talent. And so he went away, and the guy who had five talents, the Bible said, they was faithful with what he had. He was responsible with what he had, and he gained five more talents. Well, the guy that had two talents, same thing. He was faithful, he was responsible, and he gained two more talents. The guy who had one talent, um, he took that talent and did nothing with it. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that he buried that talent. Well, the problem with that was that he was supposed to use that talent to continue to grow, really what it's talking about, grow the kingdom of God. And so when, when the owner came back, he talked to the guy that had five talents. He said, listen, he said, I, I took those talents and I used them and, and they multiplied and I have five more talents. What did he say? He said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. So here's a key to promotion in your life. Be faithful with what you have right now. Be faithful with what you have right now. 
And if God can find you faithful with what you have right now, then increases in your future. If God can entrust you with what you have right now, then God can trust you with more in your future. So he comes to the second servant, and the servant said, I took the two talents that you gave me. I invested those two talents, and I gained two more talents. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many. So then he comes to the one who had one talent. And he said, I knew you were tough. He said, he said I knew you were a shrewd businessman. So I took that talent, and I hid it. And he said, well, you at least could have put it in the bank and we at least could have had a little bit of investment on our return. This is what caught me in this story. All three were servants of this man. But this is what he said to the third servant. He said, you are a wicked and you are a lazy servant. Not my words, I'm just the messenger. He said, you are a wicked and a lazy servant. He said, take what you have and give it to the one who has 10. Well, there goes socialism out the door. Well, I wasn't going to be politically correct today, but I thought I'd throw that in there just because I have the microphone and I was thinking about that. And, you know, in other words, God is saying, I'm not going to reward laziness. I'm not going to reward you with more when you haven't done anything with what I've given you. And could it be, I'm not, I'm not saying, but could it be that the reason that some people have not seen increase in their life for a long time is because they've not done anything with what God gave them years ago? I'm just, I'm just suggesting that. Because that talent represents time. It represents, it represents finances. It represents a gifts or gifts that God has given us. One commentary said it's equivalent to like a 20-year span. So it was like 20 years of time, 20 years of treasure, 20 years of gifts. And when he came back, he said, what have you been doing for the last 20 years? What have you been doing with what I've blessed you with for the last 20 years? And God's going to ask us the same question. When we stand before him, God's going to ask us, what did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the talents that I gave you? What did you do with the finances that I gave you? And we're going to give an account to God for what we've done with the things that God or the talents that God has blessed us with. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand this, that while we are on this earth, God wants to see and wants to know, are we going to be faithful? And if God can find us faithful, then God says, I can put more responsibility on them. I can entrust them with more things. All I'm trying to get us to see is this. If we will be faithful with what God has given us, if we'll be faithful with this space on Sunday morning, if we'll be faithful with this microphone or everything that God has blessed us with, then God is saying, in your future, I'm going to bless you with the desires of your heart. But I first have to test your heart to see whether you're willing to work with what you have right now. Come on, help me out right here. He asked the widow woman, the prophet said, what do you have in the house? She said, the only thing I have is this jar of oil. And what is this little jar of oil among so many? He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go borrow as many vessels, empty vessels as you can.
And I want you to take that jar of oil. I'm talking about Elisha speaking to the widow woman. He said, I want you to take that oil that's in your house and I want you to start pouring into empty vessels. And the Bible said, as long as that widow woman was pouring into those empty vessels, that cruise of oil did not go dry. Could it be the reason that some of us are dry and the reason that some of us are withering away is because we've not been pouring out what God has deposited on the inside of us. But I'm telling you right now, if you will pour out what God has poured into you, you'll never be in, there'll never be a need in your life. That is the principle of God. I can take it to the bank. God says, I will take care of you as long as you keep pouring into others. Yes, he will. The minute, the minute she stopped pouring, it dried up. You think about that for a minute. The minute you start giving, the minute you stop serving, the minute you stop going beyond yourself is the moment things begin to dry up in your life. Say, beyond me. We have to go beyond ourselves. And so what Jesus is, is stressing to us is the importance of everyone using the gifts and talents that he has given them. That's the point. That's what he's expressing. But here's what we have to remember. What is the more for? God wants to bless you with more. God wants to bring increase in your life. But what's it for? There's another principle we need to learn. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9, 11. Look at what it says. How many of you know God wants to give you more? Come on, don't be afraid to say it. More. God wants you to have more. God wants you to have more things, more time, more energy, more peace, more joy. Are you with me? Amen. You're tracking with me. God wants you to have more so that you can hoard up what he's given you. Help me out here. God wants you to have more so what? See, we don't think like that, right? I mean, let's be honest with you. We don't think like that. We think the more is for us. Let me go over here because it's way quiet over there. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I think that way. We do. It's, it's just our human nature. That's how we think. But when you get saved and you come into the kingdom of God, this whole thing flips upside down for us. That's why this mind has to be renewed. That's why the Bible tells us to renew our minds daily. So we have to change the way we see things. And the way we change the way we see things is to change the way we think. And the way we change the way we think is to be reprogrammed through the word of God. Amen. And that's what happens, okay? So God says, I want to give you much. Why? So that you can give away much. How many of you know God wants us to be generous? God wants you to be generous. God wants me to be generous. He wants this church to be generous. And... When we take your gifts, talents, time, treasure, to those in need, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to our God. This is one of the reasons that we encourage people to get connected to the dream team. In case you're wondering what the dream team is, it's just a place to serve at LifePoint Church. Get connected, whether that's once a week, whether that's every other week, whether that's once a month, or whether that's uh, through special occasions that are special events that we have. But get connected to serving, and we want you to use those gifts and talents for the Lord. 
We want you to be able to, to be generous with your finances. Well, I'm going somewhere with it. We want you to connect with a group, to open up your home, to open up your gifts and connect with groups. Why? So that those who have need or needs in their life, God can meet their need through your service. God can meet their need through your giving. <laughs> God can meet their need through, your, through you opening up your home to them. God can meet their need. Do you realize if you look at this scripture that, that you may be the very link, the very key for someone breaking out? You may be the very person that God uses for someone to break through. Someone said, well, how so? He said, if you'll do that, they'll break out. The reason some people are locked up is because someone hasn't extended a gift to them, a key to them that will get them out of the state that they're in. Come on, help me. So if we can just say, listen, we're going to bless you so that you don't have to stay in this condition the rest of your life. But as we bless you, we want you to understand we're doing this because God has blessed us. God has given to us. And because God has given to us, we want to be a blessing to you. What happens is it takes the attention off of us, puts the attention on him, and who gets the glory? God gets the glory. God receives the honor and God receives the glory. It was Paul and Silas who were praying and praising God at midnight in a jail cell. Doesn't mean our conditions are going to be perfect. It was Paul and Silas who were praising God and praying at midnight in a jail cell. And when the prisoners heard them praising God, God moved mightily and they broke out. What am I saying? I'm saying God can even take your gift of praise. Help me, praise team. God can take your gift of praise and break somebody out of bondage, break somebody free from addiction. God can use, that's the power of the gifts that God has given us. Now, I need to say this. Um, I didn't get to preach all of this in the first service. We went a different way, but let me just say this. So, I understand because I've been there. I understand that sometimes, especially when you're going through transitions in your life, that that's maybe not a good time to be serving, okay? I understand that. So there are times where God will call you to a place, uh, to a church, to a body, and God will give you a time period where he says, I just want you to sit. And the reason that I want you to sit is because there's some healing that needs to take place in your life. And I can't heal you if you're so busy doing everything. And so sometimes God says, I got to slow you down, get you to a place where I can bring healing in your life. All right? That happens. But God does not expect us to sit forever. So when healing begins to happen in your life, that's an indicator that God's saying, okay, it's time to start moving in the gifts and the calling and the purpose that I have for your life. This is what I've, I've seen this happen through years of pastoring. Because if all a person ever does is come and sit, they'll never get connected, they'll never feel like they're part of the body, and they'll never discover true purpose in their life. It's when you get connected, 
And it's when you start serving and using the gifts and talents that God has given you that you truly begin to understand the purpose that God has for your life. And the purpose is not about us. The purpose is about him and God using us to bless others. That's what it's about, right? So, so if all we ever do is sit, I'm, say, I'm not saying that you can't, there are seasons of sitting. I'm not saying you can't do that. But if all you ever do is sit and soak and never, remember, take that glass and pour out. If all you do is allow that glass to sit, I don't care, fill it with whatever. If you don't pour that out at some point, the longer it sits, sooner or later it's going to begin to stink. Right? Just go home, pour your glass of milk, put it on the counter, leave it. Just leave it. No one wants to be around things that smell bad. Help me. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Well, yeah, well, anyway. So, if, if you don't begin to pour out, what will begin to happen is not only will it stink, but eventually it will sour. And if it sours, it won't be too long before it's spoiled. And how many of you know there's nothing you can do once it's spoiled? Right? You can't do anything with it after it's spoiled. But I've watched this happen in people's lives. I've watched them come to church. I've watched them at one time be involved in church, be active in church, and then something happened, get offended, get hurt. It happens. It happens to all of us. You're going to be offended. You're going to get your feelings hurt. It's going to happen. But you've got to move beyond that. So, so I've watched it happen. People get their feelings hurt. They just sit. And it won't be too long before they just soak. And it won't be long after that that they start to smell. And it won't be long after that they start to sour. And it won't be long after that they're, spo they're spoiled. And I don't mean that in a sense of spoiled bratty-wise. I mean that in a sense of you can't do anything with them. You can't do anything with them because nobody wants to digest anything that is spoiled. So that when they get around other people, it's offensive to them. Right? And rather than, rather than talking about the blessings that's going on in the church or the blessings that's going on in someone's life, all they can do is point out the rotten stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody been there? I mean, they don't even have to be in church. I mean, just be in family. Find, find someone who's been sitting in your family long enough. <sighs> let's just make it, let's just take it home with us today. And they're sour about everything. And everything is gloom and doom and everything is bad and, and you know, the sky's falling. I mean, nobody wants to be around that, no. right? Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to be a part of that. And so what just happens is, you know, people just distance themselves and eventually that person just is like, well, I'm out here and nobody likes me. Well, duh. <laughs> I'm trying to get us to see something. God has invested in us. And God wants us to invest in others. God has given unto us, and God wants us to give unto others. 
That's the takeaway that we have to have today. One of the key takeaways is this, that I have a responsibility to steward the talents of God. We're not the owners. It's not my time, it's his time. <laughs> because he could, he could cut my time off right now. It's not my talent, it's his talent. It's not my money, it's his money. I'm just a steward. I'm a manager of what God has invested in me. And every now and then God comes and checks with me and says, what are you doing with what I've given you? Are you, are you really utilizing the time that I've given you to fulfill my purpose? And I'm not saying that everything we do has to have, you know, a church theme attached to it. I'm not saying that. But I am talking about making sure that our lives are balanced where we are using the things that God has given us for his glory. So there is a stewardship on our part. Also, we have to never forget what the more is for. Whenever anything of increase comes into your life, here's a good lesson to learn. Whenever God begins to bring increase into your life, one of the first things you need to ask God is this, what do you want me to do with this? Because maybe God is saying, I want, I want to, you to be a conduit, and I just want to flow through you to get to somebody else. And, and I tried to flow through this person, and, and what I gave them, they kept to themselves. So I'm just looking for somebody who's willing to allow me to flow through them in order to get to somebody else. Never, ever be afraid of giving something away that God has blessed you with. Don't ever be afraid of it. Because this is what I do know. God is a giver, not a taker. It's the nature of God to give. Read the Bible. It's the nature of God to give. So whenever, you know, sometimes it's just the test. God is testing our heart. And so sometimes it's God just saying, hey, listen, I just want to see if you're willing to be obedient. Because I can give you another whatever. Right? Remember the story about the watches? I can, I can give you another watch, which I got nine other watches. And then someone messaged me Sunday night and said, God spoke to me and gave me this picture of all these watches. I'm like, are you sure God spoke to you or are you just feeling guilty because I was talking about watches last week? I said, just, I, said I don't need another watch. He said, yeah, but you may know somebody who needs a watch. I don't know. I don't know. I said, just pray about it. We'll talk about it. Right? Now, if you're thinking about giving some cars away, we might can talk a little bit. <laughs> That's how crazy this is. Um, I was listening to one time, T.D. Jakes. Anybody ever heard of that? Small-time preacher, T.D. Jakes. Okay. L listen to this. The Cadillac dealership in Dallas kept delivering Cadillacs to his home. People were just sending him. He had to call up the dealership and said, tell them, I have no place to put these cars. Stop sending me these cars. How many would say, I want that blessing? Come on, somebody. Well, 
Well, it happened in the Old Testament. Moses said, I need to take up an offering to build the temple of God or the tabernacle of God. He said, I just want you to go home and, and whatever you have, I want you to bring it. And the Bible said that, that people began to give and give and give. That Moses had to stay up, stand up one day in church and say, stop giving. <laughs> we have so much surplus, I don't know what to do with it all. Listen, I've been pastoring for, for 25 years now. I have never stood up and told the congregation, stop giving. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Not one time. It's my prayer, God, let me get up one day and say, we have so much, y'all just stop giving. <laughs> could it happen? Sure it could. So we have a responsibility to steward the things of God, all right? To steward the blessing of God. And I just know that the more, the more that God gives us, the more he expects from us. But God just keeps giving and giving and giving. I'm going to skip something, but I was going to talk to you about the law and the responsibility of the firstborn. The law and the responsibility of the firstborn. Um, well, maybe I will talk about it. Deuteronomy 21, 17 says this. If, if you were the firstborn son, okay, it was customary for you to get a double portion. Any firstborns in the house today? I'm the baby, so it wasn't me. All right? You must give a customary double portion to the oldest son who is the beginning of his strength, who owns the rights of a firstborn son. Deuteronomy 21, 17. So the son is equipped with the strength of the father, takes on the nature of the father. Um. The rights here is really a more accurate word when you translate it out would be the responsibility. So in other words, even though the firstborn son was given a double portion of everything the father had, he also had a responsibility. A responsibility came with it. Why? Because whenever God gives you more, there's more responsibility. And I always thought that this was a little unfair because it's almost as like they were playing favorites. And as parents, we don't have favorites, right? Come on, look at me, parents. Come on. Okay. Help me here. We don't have favorites. And it's almost as it's saying like, you know what? That, that they're playing favorites. But that's not the case here. Because if anything happened to the father, it was then the responsibility of the elder son to make sure that the family was cared for and taken care of. So then he became responsible to make sure that the rest of the family was looked after and, and, and he had to meet the needs of that family. And so how does that apply to us? Well, listen to this. Jesus, the Bible says, New Testament is the firstborn among all. But because we are with him, we receive the inheritance just like him. Say it another way. We are now the firstborn of many. We are the firstborn spiritual sons and daughters of God. So you know what that means? We have a responsibility. Because when God blesses us, and he does, the responsibility now falls back on us to make sure that we take care of one another. Can I get a, can I get a witness in this house? So we are responsible to make sure that we take care of one another. 
So when God brings increase into your life, responsibility comes with it and accountability comes along with it that we are responsible to make sure that not just our needs are being met, but the family's needs are being met. How many family members do I have today? Amen. I want you to stand with me. I'm over time. Come on, stand with me. Plus, I'm starting to sweat. I wish I had time to preach this, but I don't. But I've tried to get here for two weeks, and I haven't. But I want, to, I want you to look at this with me, and I'm just going to go through it real quick. It's going to take me three minutes. I want you to look at this. Look at, um, skip the next one, Shannon. Go to um, Isaiah 58. This is what he says. This is the responsibility that God has placed upon his people. And he says this, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? I'm going to stop there and just say this. Now, he's talking about, obviously, he's talking about fasting, but it's the, any spiritual principle applies here. Anything related to the spirit applies here. So I could interact, I could put something like, is this the kind of service that I have chosen? Is this the kind of church that I have chosen? Okay? This is what he says. Only a day for people to humble themselves. In other words, it's just about you. Is it only for the bowing of one's head like the reed and for the lying of sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? Is what you are doing, because it's all about you, is this what you think church is about? Do you think church is just about, you think serving is just about, this is what he's saying. Verse six, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Is not this the kind of church? Is not this the kind of service? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. In other words, God is saying, this is what I expect. This is what I'm looking for. Is it not to, watch this, to share your food with the hungry? To provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. God is saying, this is what I expect. This is what I've chosen. Not you, them, right? And then God says something that just blows me away. He said, if, you will, if you'll turn the attention away from you and get it on somebody else, this is what I'm going to do. And it's the only place in the Bible where I've found that God promises to do 12 things if you'll do one thing. 12 things. Listen to what it says. Verse 8. He said, then your light will break forth like the dawn, meaning your night season is over. Weeping has endured for the night, but joy is now coming in the morning. Listen to what he says. And your healing will quickly appear. Suddenly, healing is going to begin to manifest in your life. That's number two. Then he says, then your righteousness will go before you. That's number three. In other words, you'll have a reputation as a person who does the right thing. Then he says, in the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In other words, God says, I got your back. 
I have you covered. Number four, he says, then you will call and the Lord will answer you. God will answer prayers. That's number five. He says, then you will cry for help and he will say, here I am promised help. That's number six. He says, and if you do away with the yoke of oppression and oppression and the pointing of finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, listen to what he says, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. That's seven. Then the Lord will guide you always. That's eight. That's divine direction. And satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. That's number nine in this divine strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's number 10. It's called refreshing. Your people will be will build the ancient ruins and will rise, raise up the old foundations. That's number 11 and that's being renewed. And you will be called the repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's number 12, and that's restoration. God said, if you'll go beyond yourself, if you'll reach beyond yourself and start focusing on others, he said, these 12 things will automatically begin to manifest in your life. How many want that? How many believe that to happen? Amen. Listen to me. I don't want you to leave this place feeling condemned because that's not God. I don't want you to leave this place feeling shamed because that's not God. I don't want you to leave this place feeling condemned because that's not God. Now, if you leave this place feeling convicted, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's okay because God's working on your heart. That's all right. You want that. We need that. I'm not trying to guilt or shame anyone to do anything because that ain't going to work and that won't last. We've all been in that room where someone has shamed us into doing something. And it doesn't last. But here's what I know. As Life Point Church continues to move forward, if we will think beyond ourselves and if we will reach beyond ourselves, and we'll find areas to serve in, if we'll find areas to give in, I'm telling you, we will not be able to contain the blessing that God wants to, that God will give this house. I'm telling you right now, and you'll be a part of it. Amen. So Father, we leave this place realizing the responsibility we have as sons and daughters to steward what you've given to us. And Lord, we'll leave this place this week challenged to move beyond ourselves. And I just pray, God, that we would leave this place understanding that you have more for us, but we understand what the more is for now. And Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise nor the glory for it. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. It's in his name that I preach. It's in his name that I receive. Amen. And everyone said, amen. Our prayer team is here. If you have prayer, you need prayer for anything. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God with you. If not, we want you to hug somebody's neck on your way out, shake somebody's hand. God bless you. We'll see you right back here next week at The Point. Have a blessed and great week.